0: Today's scripture reading is from Colossians 1, 15 through 23. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For him, by all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of all the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister.
1: Father, we thank you for the opportunity to lift up our voices, and the words we just sang are true. It's all about you. and That's what we're going to talk about this morning, is that everything is about you, and you love us. And the awesome thing to think about is that everything is about you, but yet you are for us. And we thank you for that privilege. God, we pray that you'd um, speak through us, through me right now, um, to know exactly what to say and how to say it to your people. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. All right. so if you turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 1. There's a couple places where we're going to flip to this morning that I want you to look at because I believe it's important for you to open your Bible and be able to go exactly to where it is. Some of the scriptures that we're going to talk about today will be on the screen, but we're going to talk about the supremacy of Christ. And I know that the word supremacy has been in our news recently. Um, If you've watched the news, you've probably heard the word supremacy. So for a lot of people, the idea of supremacy has a bad tone to it. But when it comes to Jesus, it is true. The only person that supremacy is true about is Christ. So we're going to talk about the supremacy of Christ and what that means um, for us. And that one of the things you must realize is that something or someone is supreme in your life. Everyone has something or someone that controls their life and is supreme. That is number one. That is most important. The word supremacy basically means above or over or highest in rank or authority. So something is top priority in your life or someone is top priority in your life. So when we talk about the supremacy of Christ, we talk about the fact that Jesus Christ is above all because all things are for him and through him as some of the scriptures that we're going to read about today. You could even say that the vast majority of what Jesus spoke about in his gospels and conversations that he had with people was about the idea of supremacy. What he really wanted to get to was who or what is controlling your life, and your heart. How do you make the decisions that you make? Why do you do what it is that you do? Why why do you go where it is that you go? Who's calling the shots in your life? Who's supreme? Now, for a lot of us, it may just be ourselves. I do what I want to do, and no one's going to tell me what to do and how I should do it or where I should go or what I should say. That's a lot of people's attitude. Maybe it's someone else in your life. Maybe your job is what dictates that or supreme in your life. Right, maybe it's a hobby or something that you really enjoy to do. Maybe that's what dictates your life. But everyone has something or someone that is supreme in your life. And for us as Christians, it should be Jesus. Jesus should be supreme in our life. He should be number one. I've been reading through the book of Exodus, and I've really enjoyed my time reading through the book of Exodus so far. But I've come across the reason why God did everything that he did in the book of Exodus. And I highlighted all of these things, and I was just going to just make mention of them, but the Word of God is living and active, so I thought I'd just read very quickly all of these things. We know about the Ten Plagues, and we know about, um, a lot of us too, about the Israelites being in slavery to the Egyptians, and that God ultimately releases them from their slavery. But there's a part in there that confused me as soon as I read it, and that God revealed the answer to me in the Scripture. God was the one that hardened Pharaoh's heart. God could have very easily just allowed Pharaoh to let the Israelites go without making the ten plagues come. And so I asked myself, God, why in the world would you harden his heart? Wouldn't it be just much easier for you to just let the Israelites go? But God was up to something, and here's what he was up to. It starts in chapter 7. You don't have to turn. I'm just going to read all of these things very quickly about why God did what he did. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. By this you shall know. That I am the Lord, so that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God, that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. But for this purpose I have raised you up to show you my power, so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth, that you may know that I am the Lord, that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. And then finally, in chapter 14, when we see the, the parting of the Red Sea, it says, I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. What was God most concerned about in there? Was he wanted to rescue his people, but he also wanted the other people that had held these people in slavery to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the God that the Israelites serve is the one true God. And he wanted the Egyptians to know that. And this is the way in which God chose to show them that. And at the very end of this, I believe that the majority of the Egyptians, whether they decided to surrender their lives to God and follow, they knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, man, the God that the Israelites serve is powerful, and he is awesome. Even Pharaoh's magicians couldn't do the things to a certain point in which God was able to do, and God delivered these people. But then we see these same Israelites later on, right, making God's that they could build because they wanted a God in which they could define. And this is exactly what Pastor Tim talked about in Sunday school this morning. Even the Israelites who had seen these miraculous things in which God had done, they'd seen the parting of the Red Sea, they got tired of this God. They didn't want that God to be supreme in their lives. They wanted to be supreme, so they made a God of their own image. Exodus chapter 20, we find the Ten Commandments. And I think it's very interesting and and very um, important for us to understand the first two commandments are this. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in water under the earth. The first two commandments tell us what? No one shall be above me. I am God and God alone, and you shall place no one in my spot. I alone deserve to be number one in your life, no one else or nothing else deserves supremacy over me. He reminded the Israelites that. He showed the Israelites and the Egyptians that. And he wants us to understand that he wants to be supreme in our lives. He wants to be number one. And as you think about your life, you know that something or someone is supreme in your life, and I pray that Jesus is. And even just very briefly as we've started talking about this, I know that every one of you, as I just mentioned the question the thing that's supreme in your life has probably already popped up. And if it is Jesus, you probably know what battles for the place in which Jesus has or the person that battles for the place in which Jesus has. In Hebrews chapter 1, I told you to turn there, verses 1 through 3, we're going to read some scriptures about Jesus, why he is supreme, why he is above all, as our first point here is. And then we're going to look at Colossians chapter 1, which our scripture reading was. Hebrews chapter 1. Verse 1 through 3. It says, Long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty. On high. Jesus isn't just one of another prophet. He is the one that the prophets spoke about. Jesus isn't just some great teacher who taught awesome things. He is the very one that we are called to teach others about. He isn't just another good man. No, in fact, Romans tells us that there is no one good but him. And the only way that we know goodness or what good actually is or what good actually looks like is because Jesus displayed it for us when he came from heaven to earth. He showed us exactly what it means to be good. And we know that because of him. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through 20. If you want to turn there, you can. I would just assume you would just highlight this whole section in your Bible. It's been a great encouragement to me, and I know it will be helpful for you to know this, to know this in your own life, but also be able to share it with other people. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through 20. It says this, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, all things were created through him and for him. What is Paul saying? Everything that you see, every kingdom that you see, All the people that think they have power, all the people that think they call the shots, all the people that think they can do whatever it is that they want to do, who actually created all of those people? Jesus. All things were created for Jesus and through Jesus. He has power over all things. He calls the shots on all of this stuff. Verse 17, it says, He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. As believers, that is an awesome verse for us. Everything in my life is held together by Jesus. The one who created all things and created me holds everything in my life together. Verse 18, it says, And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven making peace by the blood of the cross. Jesus is above all things. All things were created through him and for him and by him. He's the very one that holds all things together. Now, those are really awesome things to think about, but the same thing that we find in Hebrews, we find in Colossians, is that he doesn't stop there, right? What does he do? He looks and he sees, like these things that I created, these people that I created in my own image who I love have messed this up. And I love them enough that I'm going to go and die in their place. To me, that's one of the most amazing things about Jesus as we read through these scriptures. It's awesome to read Colossians 1, 15 through 19, but verse 20 through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. That's only Jesus. So the creator, the one who created all things and holds all things together, looks at us and said, hey, they messed it up. I'm going to go down and fix it. I'm going to reconcile them to myself. This is why Jesus deserves to be supreme in your life, because no one else can do that. Even if someone wanted to, which most would not, No one else could, because it takes a perfect sacrifice, and it's only Jesus. He deserves to be above all in our lives. Jesus also is enough for all. As these scriptures that we've read, you see that Jesus is enough for salvation. Jesus is the only one that can save us. He's the only one that we need for salvation. I don't need to do anything to get God to love me or to be loved in the eyes of God of God. The supreme God who created all things and holds all things together already loves me and has made a way for my salvation. I don't have to become a missionary. I don't have to become a pastor. I don't have to go to church every week. I don't have to tithe. I don't have to pray. I don't have to study the word in order to get God to love me. I don't have to do any of those things to make God love me. Guess what? He already does. This supreme God who created all things. And I know I've said that a couple times and I'm going to repeat it again quite often because I want that to stick in your brain. The supreme God who created all things and is over all things loves you and has made a way for your salvation. And there's nothing that you can do to earn it. Matthew chapter 11, Jesus speaking here and here's what he means by this salvation. Is that there are The religious leaders of the day were basically telling people, you need to do this and you need to do that, you need to give, you need to serve, you need to do all these things in order to get God to love you and to accept you and to bring you into his kingdom. And Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. It's like everybody else has been telling you to do all of these things, and here's what I'm telling you to do. Just surrender your life to me. I love you. That's it. Is Christianity that easy? Is a relationship with Jesus that easy? Yes, it is. It's just to surrender your life to him. Say, I love you, Jesus. I know you love me. and I love you. Come to me, all who are labor. I'm sorry, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. How many of you are just absolutely exhausted? You've been searching, you've been going around trying to find some solution to the issues or the problems and most importantly the problem of sin in your life and you've looked in all of these different places except for Jesus. And all the rest of those places that you've looked, you've probably found out that all those places or all those people have disappointed you at some time or have done something against you that you just didn't like, not Jesus. He says, if you come to me, you'll find the rest that you desire. He says in verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Believe in who I am and what I can do for you and through you. That's what he's asking of you this morning. The supreme God, this powerful God, this all-knowing God, Loves you and wants to give you this rest. This salvation is only found through him. He gives us a salvation, but he also gives us meaning. And I think this is one of those that's important for us to listen to. And I want you to get, because this is one that I'm, God's teaching myself. Is that meaning doesn't come from all the rest of those things that I mentioned before. My meaning in life doesn't come from being a pastor. Right? My meaning in life doesn't come from being a husband or a father. My meaning in life doesn't come from the things that I can do for God. My meaning in life doesn't come from the ways in which I can serve God. My meaning in life comes from God and God alone. There's a passage that I really wasn't going to share, but I think we, we need to, Matthew chapter 7, where these people come before Jesus, right? And they come before Jesus and he said, Look at all these things that I've done for you, Jesus. And what does Jesus tell them? Depart from me, for I never knew you. And why did Jesus tell him that? He's like, because you guys have tried to do all of these things for me, and you've done them without me. You've tried to do all these things in order to get to me, but you've missed me within all of this. Right? Revelation chapter 2, remember he's talking to this church, and he's like, you've done all these awesome things, but here's the thing that I have against you, is that you've fallen out of love with me. But you're doing all of this. You're going to all of these places. And all those things are well and good, but you've missed me within it. Maybe for some of you, you've been coming to church as long as you can remember, but you've never actually encountered Jesus. Maybe you've been volunteering in certain areas, and you've been doing all of these things because you think that's what God wants you to do, but within it, you've missed completely a relationship with the one that you're serving. It happens, because what does he say in Matthew chapter 7? He says, many... Many stood before Jesus and said, look at all these things I've done for you. Many stood before him, and he said, depart from me, for I never knew you. That's many people. That's a scary thing to think about, that I can come, that I can listen, that I can do all these things, and I can miss Jesus within it. And it happens because we're looking for meaning, we're looking for purpose, we're looking for salvation, and all of the rest of those things except for Jesus. Only Jesus is the way to salvation. Only Jesus can give you meaning. No one else or nothing else. It isn't about what you can do for Jesus. It's about your relationship and walk with Jesus. He also gives us purpose. My purpose here on earth is first and foremost about Jesus. That's it. And I don't even think there's like a 1A or a 1B. It's just, it's just one. It's Jesus. And when I make my life about Jesus, then he's going to give me all the rest of these things that he wants me to do with him. I think for a lot of times I've told you guys that you need to go do things for Jesus, and I've been guilty of it, and I apologize for that. I've asked you to go and do things for Jesus. I've asked you to volunteer at schools. I've asked you to go and do all of these things for Jesus, but I think the language of that is completely messed up. I want you to go do things with Jesus. I'm not going to do these things in order to get God to love me or because I feel like I'm supposed to do these things. I'm going to do these things because that's where Jesus is going. And I want to go where Jesus is going. I want to be where Jesus is. I want to go and do the things in which Jesus is asking me to do. Anything else that is above Jesus in my life is idolatry. Now, that can be a person. That can be a bad thing. It can even be a good thing. The church could be an idol to some of us. A mission that I have could be an idol to some of us. I can prioritize all of those things above Jesus and miss Jesus within all of that stuff. And what he tells the Israelites is this, I am a jealous God. I will have no one above me because no one else deserves to be above me. So don't you dare put anyone above me. No one else loves you like I do. No one else cares for you like I do. No one else deserves to be in that place but Jesus. I've been called to serve him. I've been called to surrender my life to him. Now, I want to be clear because I don't want any of you to leave here today and and go, well, Pastor Sam told me to stop coming to church. Pastor Sam told me to stop giving to missions. He told me to stop reading the Bible. He told me to stop praying. He told me to stop tithing. He told me to stop doing all those things. No, that's not at all what I've told you to do. What I am telling you is that you can do all of those things and still miss Jesus. You should be doing all of those things out of your love for Jesus. I I want to go on mission because I love Jesus. I want to serve at the church because I love Jesus. I want to tithe. I want to give financially to not only the church but to the things of God because I love Jesus. Jesus. I want to volunteer at the school because I love Jesus. I want to do all of those things. I want to sing, I want to listen, I want to read the Bible, I want to pray because I love Jesus. And that's first and foremost what it's all about. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 to 31. Jesus wants to use all of us. Now I've stated that he needs to be supreme in our lives. He needs to be first. But I think one of the awesome things to think about is this, is that this God that we're talking about, one of the things he wants most is to use us for his kingdom and to use us for his glory because he loves us so much. We have to start living our lives with the understanding that God doesn't need any of us. God doesn't need you. God doesn't need me. God doesn't need you in the back or you over here. God doesn't need any of you. If we served a God that needed us, man, he would be a little God and he wouldn't be worth serving. God doesn't need any of us. But God wants every single one of us. He wants you and you and you. He wants to use you. He wants to allow you to serve him. He wants to take you on mission with him because he loves you. He wants you. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26-31 says, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us the wisdom of God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. He's chosen all of us to do the things in which he's called us to do. We're not wise, we're not powerful, we're not strong, instead we're the opposite of those things, and it's the very reason in which God chose us. See, I can't do any of these things without God. I can't do any of these things for God because what does he tell us? You need God in order to do all those things. And there's a reason why he chose the people that he did to do the things that he's called us to do because at the very end of the day, he doesn't want me to stand before a group of people and go, or for you guys to go, man, Sam did a good job. Or man, that team that went down to the the school, man, they did an awesome job. Or those people that work with our children, man, they did an awesome job. What does he want? He wants at the very end of the day For you to look at all of those people and go, man, Jesus is good. Look at what Jesus has done through those people. Look at what Jesus has done through the man who just messes up on his words all the time. Look at what Jesus has done through this person who doesn't feel like they're qualified to stand before children and teach them, or teenagers and teach them, or adults in a Sunday school setting. Look at what God has done through all of those people, not what that person has done. Jesus... Chose us so that no one can boast, so that he gets all the glory and he gets all the credit. But he wants to use us in order to do all that. And lastly, this Jesus will be worshiped above all things. This is a promise that Scripture gives us here. Is at the very end of the day, he will be worshiped above all things. Philippians tells us what? That every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And one one time or another, all of us are going to surrender and say, you are who you said you are, but it may be too late for some. The best time to do that is now. But he, he makes his promise, is that all will worship. There will be a representative from all tribes, all nations, and all tongues worshiping before the throne. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 through 10 says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Are you ready for eternity to shout that before God? Are you ready for all of eternity to stand before God And say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And listen, I know that heaven is going to be so much more than that. We're going to have different things that we're doing in heaven. I I can't even describe to you all what it's going to look like. But the main purpose of it is going to be worshiping Jesus. So why not start now? Why not start now in our lives making Jesus supreme? Why not start now in our lives realizing the things that I'm doing are for Jesus, not just for Jesus, they're with Jesus? See, I've told it to you so many times, I wanted to say it the wrong way. The things that I'm doing are with Jesus. Start realizing now that Jesus loves me and wants to use me. And that is an awesome privilege. Because for all of eternity, we're going to stand before Jesus and sing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And we will worship him for all of eternity. I pray that we're ready. And if we aren't... I'm going to give you a chance to ask God, what is it in your heart that needs to change? Maybe you've been doing all those things, like I mentioned, where you've been doing all of these things for God because you wanted to get to God or because you think that's what you're supposed to do or that's how salvation is gained. Maybe you just need to surrender and say, I've missed you in all of this, Jesus. I've missed you in all the things that I've been doing. Maybe you just say, Jesus, I haven't made any of this about you. I want to worship you because you are supreme above all things, and you deserve to be supreme above all things. Maybe that needs to be your confession to him. Eternity is going to be all about Jesus, and we're all going to worship him. So I want you to take a moment. I want you, you and God, this is between you and him. I don't need you to raise your hands. If you don't want to close your eyes and bow your head, it doesn't matter. You don't have to have a certain posture, I think, at this moment. I want you to take a moment and just ask God, all of us, even if you heard this message and you're like, man, I'm all right. I didn't need that. You probably did, okay? I want you to ask God, God, what is it in my life that's fighting for number one? Maybe I don't have you supreme. Maybe I've been doing all these things. You and God, and then I'm going to close this in prayer. We'll sing our closing song. We'll have a great rest of the afternoon, right? Just spend this moment with God. I don't want you to miss this time where you can spend with him. Jesus, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you created us. We thank you that all things are created through you and for you and by you, and that in you all things are held together, even our lives. Jesus, I thank you that there's nothing that we can do to earn our salvation. It's only through surrender to you. Jesus, thank you that you've reconciled us to God and that we can have a relationship with you thank you that even now we can sing and we can worship and we can praise and we can honor you in all the things that we do I pray that we would serve with you that we would go and we would do as you tell us to do we wouldn't feel like we have to do these things for you in order to get to you but to realize you've already come down to us and you desire us Jesus thank you so much for that Jesus thank you for the picture that John gives us in the book of Revelation of what eternity is going to look like I know there will be lots of, of different things and things beyond my imagination that I can even dream of that we're going to be doing but the purpose of it is going to be to worship I pray that would start now that we'd worship you with our whole hearts We'd realize that you are enough. You are all that we need. And we worship you because of that. I pray that decisions were made here today. They would go past the walls of this church. They would go into people's homes and schools. And lives would have been changed because of the decision that was made for you, Jesus. We thank you and we praise you. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.